If you would, tonight, I'd like you to turn again to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We have been looking at verses 6 through 16. We looked at verses 6 through 9 last week, and then verses 10 through 16 this morning. And here's what I want to do at this point. We have been looking at the wisdom of God and the cross of Christ. And I have been trying to make the argument that the wisdom of God is found most profoundly, most brilliantly in the cross of Christ. That if you want the wisdom of God, you must come to the cross. And so what I would like to do now is, knowing this truth, there are major implications for this. There are major implications for this truth. And I want to look at four major implications, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to look at two tonight, and then two on Good Friday. So two tonight, and then two more on Good Friday. Tonight, we are going to see, or going to look at, our need to desperately hunger and thirst for the wisdom of God. First implication. Second implication, we need to be wise and discerning in our day and in our culture. We need to be wise and discerning because we are the children of God, but there is a special need for that in our day and age and in the culture in which we live. But before I do that, let me again review for you some of the things that we have gone over. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7, it says, But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom from God, or of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. That is a tremendous thought. That there is a wisdom that was secret and hidden that is available to you. That is a truth that we need to let wash over us and through us, that there is a secret and hidden wisdom from God that has now been unveiled and is available to the children of God. In verse 8, it says, None of the rulers of this age understood this. In verse 9, it says, No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, not talking about heaven, but talking about the wisdom of God. These things, this wisdom from God, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Verse 12, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Verse 14, what a critical, critical verse. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And then the very end of verse 16, but we have the mind of Christ. But we have the mind of Christ. So we are looking at the inseparable link between the wisdom of God and the cross of Christ. We have seen that 
Christ crucified is the power of God and that Christ crucified is the wisdom of God. This is not a wisdom that comes from us. You can't go out into the world and seek it by getting more education or more life experience. You don't become wise simply because you become older. No, wisdom comes from believing, understanding, and living out the truth of the cross of Christ. And the truth, or excuse me, the wisdom of the cross is most marvelously displayed in God's substitute and sacrifice on behalf of sinners. How could a holy God remain holy and yet at the same time show mercy to sinful men and women? He does that by pouring out all of his wrath and all of his judgment upon sin and then he himself taking upon himself all of that wrath and all of that judgment. Therefore, he can thoroughly punish sin and at the same time show mercy and grace to sinners. And as I've shared a number of times with you, this is the most glorious reality in all of the universe and is the pinnacle of the wisdom of God. I then shared with you that this wisdom cannot be possessed by nor understood by an unbeliever. It is only available to the children of God. If you do not have the Holy Spirit, you do not have the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is not a product of the human mind. The wisdom of God is a gift. It is a gift from the Holy Spirit. So, by the mercy of God, you see things and understand things that non-Christians do not see and do not understand. You have a special insight into the thoughts of God through the word of God by the spirit of God and you see and understand things that they do not. And that's why we are, and it is a humbling, a humbling thought that we are the dispensers we are the ones entrusted with on this earth the wisdom of God. We must have the wisdom of God because our human minds are finite and they are sinful. God is holy and he is infinite. So how can we who are sinful and finite ever understand the thoughts of a holy infinite God and that gap, that great gap, is bridged by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit crosses over the depth of our sinfulness and our finiteness to enable us to understand God. And I think sometimes we take it for granted. It becomes almost a casual thought that we understand the thoughts of God the creator and sustainer of the universe, the great and glorious God of all creation, has given us insight into his thoughts. And so the Bible is literally the revelation of God unveiled to us through his Holy Spirit. The Spirit illuminates our minds to understand the truths of God's word so that we can actually say we have the mind of Christ. Not that we have the actual mind of Christ, 
But God has given us, through his Holy Spirit, insight into his own thoughts, thoughts about, truths about who he is, how he relates to human beings, and what he has in plan for the future. So, we have the mind of Christ by means of the mercy of God who reveals himself to us by his Holy Spirit through his Holy Word to our hearts, which brings us to where we are at tonight and the first two of our four major implications. And the first implication, as I mentioned, is this, desperate for wisdom. This may seem like a bit of a contradiction, but it is not. There are gifts that God has given to us that are ours freely bestowed upon us from him and we owe them all to him and yet at the very same time we are to desperately seek them. For example, we are righteous in Christ. We are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. That is a truth of Scripture. Nonetheless, we desperately seek righteousness. We seek to be a righteous people, to live in righteousness. We are holy in Jesus Christ because he lives within us by the means of his Holy Spirit. We are already holy. Nonetheless, we pursue holiness. We seek to be a holy people. We have all of the love of Christ in us, all of the love that we ever need. We have, and yet we pursue love. We seek to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We seek to love our neighbor as ourself. We seek to have the love of Christ manifested through us um, to those close to us and to all of the world. So, let us challenge one another both individually and corporately to hunger and thirst for the wisdom of God. It is a gift from God. It is ours in Christ. And nonetheless, we still hunger and thirst for wisdom. We want to be as wise as we possibly can. And let me ask you tonight, do people look at your life and say, that's a man or that's a woman who's desperate for the wisdom of God? Do people look at our church and say, that's a group of people who are desperate for the wisdom of God, to see all of life as God sees it, to see all of life through the lens of God's word. Again, in verses 11 through, excuse me, 10 through 12, these things, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Look at verse 11. Who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also... So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. You don't know my thoughts. 
unless I choose to share my thoughts with you. I don't know what you're thinking tonight. I don't know your thoughts unless you choose to share your thoughts with me. And sometimes we do that with each other. You know, I have been thinking, and I share that with you. You know, I've been reflecting on this thought, and I share that with you. I want you to know the same is true with God. We can't know the thoughts of God, the truth about God and who he is and how he works, unless the Spirit of God shows us these things. God has thoughts. We are created in his image, therefore we have thoughts. But we can't know what God is thinking unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to us. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also, so also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So we have the wisdom of God because the spirit of God reveals to us the thoughts of God. Again, I want that to be an astounding thought for us that we are able to know about the thoughts of God. And therefore, only the Holy Spirit knows the fullness of the glory of God, which means that if we want to glorify God, we need the Holy Spirit to reveal him to us. Only the Spirit knows truly how to glorify God. We say that I want to glorify God. I want to live for the glory of God. But we don't know how to live for the glory of God unless we know how we are supposed to glorify God. The Spirit knows. The Holy Spirit knows how to glorify God. And so if we are to glorify God, the Holy Spirit must enable us to understand how it is that we glorify God. Therefore, people who are desperate, who hunger and thirst to glorify God, will be desperate for the wisdom of his Holy Spirit. We want the Spirit of God to show us how to bring maximum glory to God. If we are not desperate for the wisdom of God, if we do not hunger and thirst for the wisdom of God, it means this, that we have become content to know very little about God. And sometimes that's where we are at. I know the basics about him. I know the basics from Sunday school or maybe uh, some things I've read or from reading the daily bread every day. I know some basic things. But I wonder, do we really want to know him? I mean, do we desperately hunger and thirst to know God? to know as much about him as he has revealed of himself in his word. And so I say to you tonight, I say to myself tonight, how badly do you want to know God? How badly do you want to know him? How badly do we as a church want to know God? A.W. Tozer said this, we have but to want him badly enough and he will come and manifest himself to us. We have but to want him, to want him badly enough and he will come and manifest himself to us. When we are desperate 
for the wisdom of God that can only come from the Spirit of God, we will instinctively want to glorify Christ in all that we do. Let me say that again. When we hunger and thirst for the wisdom of God that can only come from His Holy Spirit, then we will instinctively want to glorify Christ in everything we do. There is another inseparable link between the wisdom of God and the glory of God. If you have the wisdom of God, you will want to. You will instinctively want to glorify God in everything that you do. Important passage. Very important passage on this subject. John chapter 16, verses 13 through 15. Jesus, in talking with his disciples, says this. When the Spirit of truth comes, this is the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Now I want you to watch verses 14 and 15. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. That's it. It's the very thing we've been looking at these last two Sundays. He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now watch verse 15. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Here are these common, ordinary men, these disciples of Jesus. And he tells them that the spirit of truth is coming, who will guide you into all the truth. And I want you to know, men, that the Holy Spirit will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. And I submit to you tonight this, this is the wisdom of God. The Holy Spirit taking the thoughts of God and revealing them to us through his word. So, first major implication. Let us be desperate for. Let us hunger and thirst for the wisdom of God. Let us be a people who pray and fast, and read, and study, and memorize the word of God because we want, we long to bring glory to God and to his son, Jesus Christ. So let us be a people, individually and corporately, who hunger and thirst for the wisdom of God. Let it be the passion of our lives. Second major implication, our second point, is desperate and discerning. Let us seek the wisdom of God so that we will be a discerning people in the midst of a culture that is rapidly losing all sense of moral right and wrong. Let us be a discerning people, a wise and discerning people in the midst of a culture right now that is rapidly, rapidly losing all sense of moral right and moral 
wrong. I was listening uh, this week to a sermon online by Ravi Zacharias in which he said that we are quickly in this at uh, a very fast pace losing any concept of truth losing any concept of what truth is and he said this moral relativism has become the god of our age what you believe is what you believe what i believe is what i believe what you think is right is right for you what i think is right is right for me oh our culture desperately needs a discerning and wise people i shared this with you this morning and i share it with you again if the church is not the voice of truth and wisdom no one will be folks there is no one else out there who will be the voice of truth and wisdom if the church doesn't stand up if it doesn't come up to the plate and take its place as the voice of wisdom and truth nobody will if we don't take upon ourselves our responsibility there is no backup there is no second or third string it is up to us to be the voice of wisdom and truth this has so many ramifications as I thought about this as I continue to think about this there are so many directions you could go with this if you just think about the cross of Christ as the wisdom of God that you see in God's work on the cross and in Jesus subsequent resurrection the mercy of God the justice of God the righteousness of God in complete harmony with the love of God and the mercy and the kindness of God you could take that in so many directions we could talk about we could do a whole series of messages on the cross of Christ and the global outreach of the gospel you could start at the cross and do a whole series of messages on the need to take the gospel to the farthest reaches of the world you could you could do a whole series of messages on the cross of Christ and human sexuality you could you come to the cross of Christ and you will much better understand why God has ordained human sexuality to be as it is explained in his word I want you to know the cross of Christ speaks to same-sex attraction the cross of Christ speaks to gender, to gender identity and gender confusion. It does. We could take the cross of Christ and do a whole series of messages on generosity and kindness and our responsibility to be kind and generous even to those who oppose us, to be involved in ministries of generosity and help, we could take the cross of Christ and do a whole series of messages on political justice and honesty. We could. We could much better understand the place of politics in the economy of God by looking first and foremost at the cross of God 
and the wisdom of God revealed at the cross. I want you to know tonight that God longs to generously grant us the wisdom described in 1 Corinthians chapters 1 and 2. God longs to give you that kind of wisdom. He does. He wants us to be a wise and discerning people. Another key passage, one that many of you are familiar with, James chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. I want you to think what James is saying. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. This is an amazing promise. If any of you I won't take the time to do it, but I could name every one of you here, including myself. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all, to all who ask, without reproach, and it will be given him, but let him ask in faith, with no doubting. I was reading a sermon a couple of weeks ago in preparation for this series, a sermon by David Platt in which he says, and I don't know, I can't remember the exact date of the sermon when he actually preached it, but in this sermon he says that he became so convicted by 1 Corinthians chapters 1 and 2 in which he had done a sermon series seven years earlier. So this is what he is saying in this sermon. He said, seven years earlier, I did a whole series of messages on 1 Corinthians chapters 1 and 2. And he said, for the last seven years, I have prayed and asked God every single day for wisdom. He said, I was so convicted by that study that since that time, for the last seven years, I have prayed every single day that God would give me wisdom. He said, I have claimed the truth of James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Who plays hide and seek with us? No. Who gives generously? Who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will, and it will be given him. Remember, remember, our minds are sinful and finite. We are not wise on our own. I don't care how much life experience you have, how much common sense you may think you have. Our minds are sinful and they are finite. Let us be reminded again, the wisdom of God is holy and limitless. The wisdom of God is holy and limitless. God has perfect and infinite knowledge. God has perfect and infinite knowledge. There is nothing that God doesn't know. 
When Bob Osborne was with us on that last Sunday in March, he talked about God being an expert in everything. God's an expert in every area of life. He is an expert in mathematics. He is an expert in engineering. He is an expert in farming. He is an expert in astrology and the study of the planets. He is an expert in every discipline in every area of life. I talked to Bob after the service and I shared something similar in a sermon many years ago and it came from a man uh, whose books have been helpful to me over the years and that is Dallas Willard. He is now home with the Lord. But in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, he makes that same point. And Bob Osborne said that he was a fan of Dallas Willard's. God knows everything about everything. Do you ever stop to think that? God knows everything about everything. You know, we sometimes think, well, I'll go to church and I'll learn about the Bible and I'll learn about spiritual things, but then I'll go to my job as a mechanic or in a shop or in an office setting, and that's kind of over here, and the wisdom of God in the Bible is over here, and folks, I say no, he is an expert on everything. He really is. I mean, if we really believe that God knows everything about everything, you can ask for wisdom in anything. I just thought of that. You know, if God knows everything about everything, you can ask him anything. Yeah, I'll just have to write that down. (laughs) You can. There is no area that you are involved in that you can't come to him for wisdom. He knows everything. Do you know that God never finds out new information? There's nothing new to God. We find out new things all the time. I might watch a documentary on certain animals. I may learn things about the zebra or the cheetah or... Uh, the gazelle that I didn't know before. Do you know God created them so he doesn't learn anything new about them? He knows everything about them. He does. It's an amazing thing for us to ponder and think about. In November of 2014, for Thanksgiving, I did a series of messages for Thanksgiving being thankful for our incomprehensible God. And we looked for a number of Sundays at Romans 11, verses 33 through 36, that great doxology of the, the Apostle Paul, where he says this, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out! Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him... And through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. When I shared that with you back then, I shared an old saying with you, not new with me, but it's something good to think about. 
Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? Maybe you remember when I shared that. It's just something to think about. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? God never says, you know, this just occurred to me. I was thinking and it just occurred to me, maybe I should have done that. Or if I had to do over again, it just occurred to me, maybe I would do it differently. Nothing has ever occurred to God. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? Let me add one more of these little sayings that I came across. God sees every detail in our lives and every detail in the universe in light of every detail in all of history. Think about that. God sees every detail in our lives and every detail in the universe in light of every detail in all of history. He knows it all. God has perfect and infinite knowledge. There is nothing that God doesn't know. God never finds out new information. God sees all of time all at once. Think about that. God sees all of time all at once. It is all before him. And God sees every detail in our lives and every detail in the universe in light of every detail in all of history. And then the Bible has the audacity to say, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. God wants you to be a wise woman. God wants you to be a wise man. His wisdom is available to you for the asking. Why would any of us choose our own ways instead of trusting in God's wisdom. Why, oh why, would we not seek the infinite wisdom of God? I read this little saying that kind of summarizes the Christian life. Again, not new with me, not original to me, but I want to end with this tonight. Trust in the word of God, ask for the wisdom of God, and walk in the ways of God. That's a good thought. Trust in the word of God, ask for the wisdom of God, and walk in the ways of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray tonight that you will help us to hunger and thirst, to desperately seek your wisdom. We ask tonight as the people of the First Baptist Church of St. John's, that you will help us to be a wise and discerning people. Help us to serve our culture, to influence our culture by being a wise and discerning people, by being a people who know the wisdom of God. Oh, help us. Lord, to look to the cross and see a wisdom that is available to us for the asking. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.